Kevin Clark, we're headed into Championship Sunday in the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens host the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Detroit Lions head to Santa Clara to face the 49ers. Depending on who ends up going, there could be very different outfit choices for you in Vegas. <laughs> up front, are you already packed to get to the desert? I wear the same thing regardless of weather, Quentin. You know this from around the horn. Um, I just wear a suit and tie wherever I am. That doesn't mean that 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 that, that could be Las Vegas. That could be Miami. Uh, much to my detriment, I did do that in Miami. Um, it was very hot. I regretted it, but I will never abandon the tie. When it comes to this Sunday of football, though, the history, the stakes, what part of the championship games weekend do you enjoy the most every year? The clash of the teams we know to be the best. Um, I think that it's become a cliche, but I remember talking to a GM years ago, talking about the final four teams. And he said that every year he runs a report on the trends of the final four, because this is where you want to be. What happens on Sunday? Maybe it's one fumble. Maybe it's one penalty um, that, that ruins your game. But we know that if you get here, you're the elite of the elite. And I think that teams understand that this is the accomplishment. There's a reason that for Brady and Belichick, this was the floor, the AFC title game. And then if they played well, they'd go to the Super Bowl. Same thing with Mahomes now. This is the floor, the AFC title game. They get there every single year and then they go against another elite team. Um, and then you get to see best on best. I think it's um, no other sport delivers this kind of drama that where you just know in one afternoon, you're going to see the four best teams in the sport. 50 million people are going to watch in some cases more. Um, you know, we, we just remember Brady versus Manning and those, those epic championship games, stuff like that. This is football in its purest form. It's championship Sunday in the NFL. And the question is, what are we going to see over in Baltimore? We've got the Ravens at home in the AFC Championship game for the first time in franchise history, with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson meeting in the playoffs for the first time ever. And out West, the 49ers have to be feeling all the pressure as they host the Lions team coming into town, playing with house money in all of Detroit Rock City behind them. History, legacy, it's all on the line this weekend where the losers go home and the winners head to Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58. So today, Kevin Clark, host of This Is Football, explains what we should expect as the NFL season draws closer to its finale. I'm Clinton Yates. It's Thursday, January 25th. This is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Before we analyze the X's and O's in this first postseason matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I do want to ask you something about the narrative surrounding these two black quarterbacks. 
We've already heard that Lamar isn't quarterbacky enough for some people, but nobody says those things about Mahomes. Is there really that big of a difference in their approach to playing the position, or what do you think goes on there? Well, okay, so first of all, Lamar Jackson's passing this year, and, and every year, by the way, has been legitimately unbelievable. Most touchdowns without an interception for intermediate passes, that's 10 to 20 yards, especially over the middle of the field. Um, but most intermediate touchdowns without an interception, Lamar Jackson broke the record this year, uh, according to Next Gen Stats, with 11. Guess whose record he broke? Lamar Jackson's in 2019 when he had 10. Tom Brady had 10 in 2016 as well. Aaron Rodgers had 8 in 2021. Um, he is what you want out of a quarterback. The difference between Lamar and Mahomes is Lamar is significantly faster than any player uh, playing quarterback we've ever seen. Both of them understand pocket movement in an almost like eerily prescient way. Um, Kyle Long was on my show two weeks ago, and he talked about how Mahomes is almost like a, a great jujitsu fighter where he knows where he'll get beat along the offensive line or within the play, and he'll use that against a defense. And you almost feel the same way with Lamar. I remember talking to a couple people who were around him, like offensive linemen, tight ends and stuff. And they said that the one thing Lamar is amazing at is using the defense's body movements against him. It was actually compared a little bit to, to James Harden um, in the open court. And what I mean by that is uh, it, it's not acceleration as much as deceleration, knowing where to stop. You know, we hear the phrase stopping on a dime. Lamar Jackson can do that. And so both of them understand how to move behind the line of scrimmage. And then both of them know how to pass it as well as anybody. I think Mahomes has probably shown a little bit more accuracy. He's shown a little bit more um, chemistry with his receivers down the field. Uh, Lamar's had lulls uh, as far as deep passing in his career. That hasn't been the case necessarily this year. Um, but they're both I mean, two of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in the history of the game. Um, this is the first time that uh, two former MVPs or you know, current MVP in Lamar's case, we haven't been given it, the two MVP quarterbacks, both under the age of 30, it'll be the first playoff matchup ever between those types of players. So um, this is history, and I don't think that uh, we should take this for granted. Yeah, it's just fascinating to me how they are so similar in styles, but people seem to look at them as if they're two completely different players. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they're both just tremendous. So yep. that's really all there is to that. There is an odd dynamic to this game, though, because it's unclear who to cast as the underdog or the favorite for that matter. Baltimore has been the better team all season, no doubt. But the Chiefs are in dynasty mode at this point, and they had one of their better games of the season last week. Who do you think has the edge on Sunday? I didn't even recognize that Chiefs team last weekend. And that's the problem is like, it's almost like Mahomes is in his LeBron James, Michael Jordan mode where nothing we see in January with LeBron has anything to do with what happens in May, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and you think about Mahomes and we spent so much time saying, oh, he does, he has MVS. He had Kadarius Tony for long stretches as his, as his number one option. Um, Travis Kelsey clearly wasn't healthy in a lot of spots. He was banged up. He was a little bit slow during the regular season. And then all it took was Kelsey getting on the same page as him, um, maybe being a little more rested, um, that that was important, obviously. They now have 1,400 yards in career playoff games, and I think more touchdowns than any other duo in, in history, um, re receiving-wise. And then MVS caught the passes. And the difference between Josh Allen and Mahomes on Sunday was that Josh Allen had his receivers drop three deep passes, two by Sherfield, one by Diggs, the Diggs one being the most significant, and Mahomes completed three deep passes, um, one of those being to MVS. So you're seeing 
Um, Mahomes understand how to do just enough. And so I'm going to lean Chiefs because of that, because they're the best problem solvers I've seen in the last few years in football. And I'm gonna tell you something, the Ravens defense and obviously Lamar Jackson, that's a lot to solve, but I cannot go against them. The Chiefs defense, though, probably had more to do with their success this year than at any other times during the Mahomes era. Meanwhile, by some metrics, the Ravens defense was the best in the league. We know they both need to get stops, but whose success is riding more on their respective defense, do you think? It's a Herculean task for both of them because it's a different type of thing. Um, Todd Munkin had said earlier this year that Lamar playing quarterback, it's almost like the defense has to stop two separate plays because of the way he can extend the play. Now, for me, the biggest thing last week is the adjustment that they made in Baltimore was a lot of quick throws in the second half. I think that's where Lamar is at his most dangerous, when it's a combination of quick throws, get the ball out, beat the blitz, and then either designed runs or those big home run plays. I think him standing back there and patting the ball and waiting for something to open up, which he's been very good at throughout his career, if you're going to force Lamar to do anything, um, it would be something like that. Um, they're going to probably try to blitz him, even though he torched the blitz uh, last weekend. I think stopping Lamar Jackson is a uh, a wider problem, let's say, than Mahomes. The Mahomes thing, it's a complete nightmare. Um, and he runs, like Tariq was on my show, he, said, he runs in circles, not in straight lines. Like the way he's just fast enough is incredible. It's hard for me to say who's harder to stop. The only thing I can say is, Lamar Jackson can make linebackers look like high schoolers. And that, to me, is unlike anything we've ever seen in the sport. And so if you're saying, who would you rather defend? I don't want to defend either of these guys, but I'd, I guess I'd rather defend Mahomes, even though I'm picking Mahomes to win this game. Besides Andy Reid, who is the most important chief in this game not named Patrick Mahomes? Oh, my gosh. Um, Chris Jones. Everybody talked about the last drive and the Shakir pass where if Josh Allen hits Shakir in the end zone, it's a touchdown. Well, that wasn't Josh Allen not putting enough air under the ball, right? That wasn't him just being out to lunch on the most important drive of his career. That was pressure. And that was Deion Dawkins being in his lap. And Chris Jones is unstoppable when he's blocked. What's funny about this game, Clinton, is that there are so many guys who at their best cannot be stopped. There's a reason like the Ravens are so good against good teams. It's because when Lamar Jackson plays his game, he's unstoppable. When Mahomes plays his game, he's unstoppable. When Chris Jones plays his game, he's unstoppable. He can get you the quarterback quicker than, than any big man we've seen in a long, long time. He can wreck an, an offensive line. And so obviously Kelsey's in the mix because if it's just Kelsey and Mahomes, that's enough to win you a game. So he's he's in the mix there. But if you're if you're circling somebody and say if this guy is a dominant game, the Chiefs win, who's not Mahomes, it's Chris Jones. What about on the Ravens side? Who do you think really has to show up besides Lamar Jackson for Baltimore to advance? Zay Flowers. Um, I mean, listen, the, the defense, uh, Mike Madonna is one of the best defensive coordinators in football, if not the best. He's going to be a head coach very, very soon, if not like next week. Um, the way they're able to disguise things post-snap is, is really incredible. Um, I'm not circling necessarily any individual talent on the defense because I think it's a collective effort. Um, Zay Flowers uh, and, and, that, and that receiving core, it speaks to what they've been able to do with Lamar Jackson. And I think that that's surrounding him. I mean, like, I know this is not a crazy thing to say, but like, 
Ravens threw out Willie Sneed and were like, here, Lamar, like, be, be generational. And it was hard to do. And now they have Zay Flowers. Now they have Odell Beckham Jr., who is a little quieter, but still uh, pretty important. I think we're seeing more options for Lamar Jackson to where it's not just him. Um, it starts with Lamar, but it ends with a bunch of guys in the supporting cast. Ronnie Stanley is another guy I'm going to throw out here. Ronnie Stanley's back. Um, I don't know if you guys have followed this, but basically Ronnie Stanley was really struggling all year. He wasn't the same from an injury a couple of years ago. He had his best game um, basically in the last few years uh, over the weekend. And so that was truly the weak link and on that offense. And it, it doesn't seem to exist anymore, which is absolutely massive. We love offensive linemen with two first names, but getting back to Andy Reid, though, he's looking to get to the Super Bowl for the fifth time in his career. Mm -hmm. John Harbaugh is trying to make his second appearance with the superb owl, as they like to call it. How do they match up? What do you think this game means for their legacies? Well, the one thing I didn't anticipate is that Andy Reid, if he keeps winning Super Bowls, why can't he be the GOAT again? Like, why can't oh. he be the GOAT? And, like, that's that's the funny thing to me is, like, Obviously, Belichick and that sustained run of 20 years. You're looking at a guy in his 11th conference championship game. You're looking at a guy who doesn't have a bad season and hasn't had a bad season since he was in Philadelphia, essentially, um, who understands the quarterback position and can generate actual talent at the hardest position to generate talent in the history of sports. With Harbaugh, it's a little bit different. He's not in the GOAT conversation, obviously. But this is a guy who has done, starting five years ago, when Lamar Jackson was drafted, he has done one of the best overhauls. Because remember, he was in the hot seat, legitimately on the hot seat five years ago. Yeah. And right after either 2018 or maybe it was in during the MVP season, where Albert Breer said, you know, the Patriots loved Lamar Jackson, but they knew they'd have to overhaul everything. Every, I mean, like, that's true. Like with the way your offensive linemen run, um, the type of outside blockers you have, et cetera, et cetera. The playbook, obviously. And you know what John Harbaugh said? Okay, we'll overhaul everything. We're good. We're not going to try to put a, a square peg in a round hole. And that's what they did for, for a handful of years. And obviously, Todd Munkin has expanded that. Um, but I think that, that Harbaugh's role in this and the Ravens' role in this in, in empowering Lamar Jackson to be this kind of quarterback, I think, is, is something we, we shouldn't overlook. Let the franchise change and quarterback change the franchise. And I think John Harbaugh has done an amazing job at that. One of the interesting things about the Ravens is that people sort of remember them as the team that walked out of Cleveland, walked straight into Baltimore, and had a ton of success. But this is actually the first championship game Baltimore's hosted since the Colts hosted the Raiders yeah. in 1971. That was the first year of the merger between the NFL and the AFL. So this is a franchise that's never done this. Do you think there's any extra pressure on them to get it done at home, Kevin? I think that both – I mean, D Detroit is the same way, even though obviously they're, they're on the road. Um, I think that those are towns that can have football parties. You know, like I, I know, disgraced former coach Les Miles once called West Virginia a football party. Um, and I, I think about that that all the time where it's like uh, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere on Sunday. Incredible. I kind of wish it was a late game a little bit. Just in the sense that, like, just yeah. you have the day to build it and go into the night. And the good news is, Clinton, is that uh, at this time in the Northeast, uh, everything gets dark at 4 p.m. So we'll we'll be in darkness when they uh, when they end the game. Um, I don't think there's extra pressure. I think that there's there's going to be a release if they get over the hump with Lamar Jackson and they get to stop hearing about this BS and get to usher in. I mean, I think everything changes when you get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. You finally get to stop 
being on the defensive. You get to implement the things you want to implement. We might see a more open Lamar Jackson, something like that, where, I mean, obviously he's, he's a great, a great person and, and I've, I've interviewed him and he's, he's as good as it gets. Um, but a different level of his personality, we might see a little bit more in the same way we've seen Mahomes. Um, I don't know what would change, but I do know that seeing a dominant Ravens team actually win the Super Bowl would be very, very good for the sport. What's going to win this football game for either of these teams, respectively? I have the worst answer of all time. I'm sorry. If you've listened to me for the last 20 minutes and enjoyed my analysis, you're about to turn off a, a, an edge here or there that we don't even we don't even know. A fumble, a, a weather pattern that changes the game, something like that. These teams are razor thin close to each other, razor thin. If I had to guess, it would be end of game execution. And that's something that's really hard to put your finger on it. I think it's the only thing I think matters with experience is that there's a, a minute and 10 on the clock. And for the first time in your life, you might, if you're a Raven, you might be running a play and saying, I've never been in a situation this big before. No one in Kansas City says that sort of thing. How do you do it? How do you get the play call? Who's panicking? Who are you? You know, it's almost like the uh, the, the right stuff, right? With the, uh, with the space program, it's Hummelfin, right? Like whose hands are going to start to shake? That matters to me in the AFC Championship game. And I have no idea what that what that looks like. And by the way, when I say that, I might mean like a quality control coach who drops the playbook, and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Who on what sideline starts, starts to freak out a little bit? That's the interesting thing to me. End of game execution is a skill. And I've seen in this type of game that's going to come down to the wire, I've seen it from the Chiefs. And that's why I'm picking them. Coming up, we'll head to the Bay Area for the NFC Championship game. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash giftfinder today. That's Macy's.com slash giftfinder. On the other side of the bracket, we have the 49ers hosting the Lions at Levi Stadium on Sunday. And let's get right into it with San Francisco. They've been the best team in the NFC 
pretty much all season, but haven't looked as dominant since Baltimore embarrassed them on national TV on Christmas. What's changed with this team over the last month or so, Casey? Confidence, maybe a little bit in Brock Purdy. And I think that um, Brock Purdy is a very confident player, and I think he has an ability to bounce back. But when you get run over like that, you can't help but, but doubt yourself a little bit. And you might have to say, okay, maybe I'm not the quarterback I thought I was for those two months. It's a week-to-week league, and I know that sounds like the biggest cliche in the world. And I always say, you know, the old phrase is momentum is next day starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Momentum to me is 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 offensive and defensive lines in the NFL. And, and are you going to get genuine pass rush on a guy? Because um, that changes how you play the sport. For me, Brock Purdy is a normal quarterback who is not capable of miracles. If you didn't know that coming into that Baltimore game, I can't help you. If you wanted to overrate Brock Purdy, that's fine. What has happened to him? I think they're just playing better teams, and this is what happens. Um, Possibly that's a little bit of Kyle Shanahan over-relying on the system and going to guys who are replacements in the same way he'd go to guys as starters because he believes in the system so much. Um, But I think overall... They're still a really solid team. They have one of the best rosters in the sport, and they have one of the best quarterback coaches we've ever seen in Kyle Shanahan. Quarterback dash head coaches. Obviously, he's not the quarterback coach. And by the way, like they're still winning against really good teams. The Packers are an awesome team. The second half Packers um, were one of the hottest teams, most efficient teams in football, and they beat them. You just said, though, we don't have to take Purdy for more than he is, but at the end of that game, Brock Purdy looked good controlling that team getting down the field. I'm not sure why we're so caught up on the discourse of Purdy not being as good as everybody else, so to speak, in terms of elite QBs. He can command a game and win a game in the playoffs. How much does that really matter, though, and what do you think of this discussion about whether or not he's at the top for the Niners because it doesn't look like everybody else who everybody assumes is good? Yeah, so part of it is... You see the stats and you say, is this is this real? And I think that that's that's the conversation where you say the stats are MVP. Like, Clinton, we had MVP debates about Brock Purdy. That's the problem with the discourse is it got too much too quickly. And I would also put C.J. Stroud in that bucket where we didn't let him be a normal rookie quarterback. And he wasn't a normal rookie quarterback because he was being bandied about as an MVP candidate in October, which was extremely genuine. But once it happens, I mean... I think it's going to be like next year. The Texans will be bandied about as a Super Bowl pick, even if uh, the roster is not there yet because of how good CJ Stroud played. And that gets to be a little bit unfair for young quarterbacks. Purdy, same way. There are only five quarterbacks who've averaged eight yards per attempt in their career over the past 50 years. Okay. Mm. Three of them are Shanahan era Niners quarterbacks. And this is going to blow your mind. It's Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins. The other two are Watson and Steve Young. Wow. And, the problem is, is that I think Niners fans can say, all right, well, Brock Purdy's doing this, this, this. And then other fans can say, well, he's not as good as the numbers look. And then it just becomes much more heated than it should. Brock Purdy's a good quarterback who can run the system. I do not believe he's the most valuable player in football. I do not believe he's he's Tom Brady or, and I saw a lot of comps to this, you know, just like, oh, well, you know, early Tom Brady didn't have this, this, this. I, I, it's not the same. The quarterback performance beforehand has informed what we feel about the the San Francisco quarterback now. That's the conversation. 
where Brock Purdy stands in the hierarchy, and the, it's the problem with our our media, Glenn. It's, it's I'm I'm at fault too. Oh, it's, blame the media. Okay, all right. No, we have to rank the quarterbacks. That's what we do. We everybody has to rank the quarterbacks. I'll rank the quarterbacks. You'll rank the quarterbacks. We'll go on ESPN and rank the quarterbacks. And when that happens, it's really hard to say. Well, I'm going to rank Brock Purdy at seven as long as he has Kyle Shanahan. If you get rid of Kyle Shanahan, I'm ranking him at 14. That's not how we do things. You know why? Because we rank the quarterbacks, we put them on a little graphic, and we tweet them out. That's the binary uh, situation in media right now, and that's why this, this conversation gets so toxic. Okay, but here's the thing. Shanahan, we know, can tend to fall in love with certain things, whether or not it's working or not. In this particular case, last week, it didn't look like Purdy had it all going through the air. Between the glove, the non-glove, they kept sticking with it, and... At some point, we've seen Shanahan screw this up before. The in-game strategy is as important as just what we believe Purdy's ceiling is, no? Yes. Kyle Shanahan's the most important person on the, on the Niners, by far. Like that, you mentioned Eddie Reid earlier on the Chiefs. Um, it's, it's, it's Kyle Shanahan and the in-game strategy. What the weather is, that's the most – I mean, like, Brock Purdy seems to not be able to throw in the rain. What happens on Sunday afternoon in on the West Coast? Is it going to drizzle a little bit? And what kind of rain? What's the threshold for him to not play as well? The in-game strategy is informed by so many different things. Um, how good is this pass rush for for the Lions? I, I don't know. Aiden Hutchinson is elite. Uh, the depth behind him over the course of the season has been questionable, frankly. Um, are the linebackers going to be good enough to do? I mean, like part of the problem with um, with uh, with the Eagles a couple of weeks ago when they got exposed by the Niners was that their linebackers and the safeties just couldn't handle uh, the mixture of speed and strength that the Niners had. Um, this is a matchup game. Kyle Shanahan is a matchup coach. I think you're going to see him thrive. One of the biggest questions is Debo Samuel, whether or not he'll be able to play after leaving the game against the Packers. He had that shoulder injury. If the Niners don't have him, how do they adapt? Well, the good news is they've got a lot of guys who are phenomenal at catching the ball and running with the ball. ESPN Analytics does a uh, uh, basically a rating of every player based on their stats, and Debo Samuel is by far the best yards after catch guy in football by a wide margin. 10 percentage points, basically, is the difference between Debo Samuel and anybody else in football. But George Kittle is a total stud. Christian McCaffrey, we haven't even mentioned him. I'll give you a great example. Christian McCaffrey has more touchdowns against two high shells, which is the dominant coverage in the NFL, um, than any running back in football. And I think you can go deep, stretch the field, let McCaffrey work. Debo Samuel is a huge loss, okay? Let's, let's, let's say that. But to have a Brandon Ayuk on the field, to have a Kittle, to have a McCaffrey, to have, you know, Trent Williams, guys like that, there will be no shortage of options. This is not like the Chiefs if they lost Travis Kelsey and there'd be no option except Rasheed Rice and, and MVS. That's not what this is about. Um, they just have to do something a little bit different. I would not force the ball to any of the backups like Kyle Shannon has done in the past. Um, they'll be able to cook. I'm not worried about that. I just know Debo Samuel is as singular a force as there is in the yards after catch department in the sport. On the Detroit side, they have to be looking to exploit that Niners run defense that hasn't been that good, especially in recent weeks. Does the Lions rushing attack have an edge against that defensive front of the 49ers? And do you think that 49ers front might be living a little bit off reputation at this point? I, I think that, first of all, the, the Niners defensive front is really good. It's really good, and they have talent, and they have genuine pass rush depth, which is the hardest thing to have. Um, if there's anything that I think is going to be important. It's in the matchup between the interior pressure 
uh, on the on the uh, on the Niners end and the interior offensive line on the Lions. And now extend that to the middle of the field. Jared Goff is as good as there is at the middle of the field passes. He is elite at uh, zero to ten yard throws in the middle of the field, ten to twenty yard throws. He's really bad at deep middle, but nobody's perfect. And so I think it's a combination of running the ball to the outside, um, keeping those guys honest with that. You're gonna. They, they, this is a team they like to get these running back, or excuse me, offensive linemen out into space and and maul people. They have an identity across the lines. They're gonna want to run the ball and use the middle of the field. So this comes down to not only the defensive front, but Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, their ability to patrol the middle of the field and make life miserable for Jared Goff. That is the matchup to me. The Lions versus the middle of the field, whether that's through the defensive line or through the linebackers. Goff has faced the 49ers nine times before in his career. He's gone three of six, but all those games came as a Ram. You mentioned him earlier being this important. How good of a game do you think he's going to have? He's a different player under Dan Campbell, undoubtedly. It has to be mistake-free. has to be mistake-free. Because Niners are going to put up points. And Jared Goff's ability, I believe he has the quickest release out of anybody in these playoffs. I believe that he understands what to do with the football. Amon Ross St. Brown has been absolutely incredible. Um, Sam Laporta has made catches. We've seen that. Um, Jimmy R. Gibbs has been phenomenal. They've built this through the, through the spine of their offense and defense in a really smart way. Jared Goff knows how to not make mistakes. He did with McVay. He's done with Ben Johnson now, the OC in Detroit. Um, I'm expecting a clean game because that's what they have to play in order to stay in this. If he makes mistakes, frankly, it's over. Like He has to take care of the football, execute the offense the way he knows how. They were so good over the weekend at using the outside guys as decoys to clear out the middle of the field and then let them cook. That's not going to happen here with Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. Um, those guys know how to, I mean, we saw it with Greenlaw, those guys know how to take away the middle of the field. And so it comes down to smart, quick decisions for golf. And I, I just can't wait for that matchup. We've got the offensive whiz kid, so to speak, in Kyle Shanahan against the emotional motivator of Dan Campbell. Who do you think has the edge here in terms of the psychological battle, if you will, in coaching? Dan Campbell has a psychological edge because he has nothing to lose because he's in year three of the one of the best rebuilds I've ever seen in my entire life. Kyle Shanahan has a lot of pressure on him. Kyle Shanahan's a better coach than Dan Campbell, um, but Dan Campbell has a better story and he has more momentum in relation to where that franchise was a couple of years ago. I've spent a lot of time with both of those guys, especially Dan Campbell, and I understand the process it took to get here. And so... The psychological edge goes to the guy who's going into San Francisco after two of the loudest home playoff games I've ever seen in Detroit with the entire city uh, rallying behind him, just starved for any success. Dan Campbell has nothing to lose on Sunday. And I think that's a very, I know this is the cliche of all cliches, but it's a very dangerous place to be psychologically. They're going to go for it. They're going to go for it on fourth down. They're going to go for it in, in, in situations where most coaches would be conservative. And that, to me, might end up being the edge. And, and, and if this game is close, um, tilt it a little bit towards the lines. Man, was it cool to see 50,000 people screaming, lose yourself inside of Ford Field in Detroit. That was one of the coolest things I've, I've, I've seen in football. This, 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 Lions, this Lions thing is so special. So let's finish these statements. Detroit wins if X and San Francisco wins if Y. Detroit wins if Jared Goff takes care of the football and they execute on those really aggressive things I talked about. Uh, Dan Campbell told me a few years ago, the reason he goes for it on fourth down 
is because when he was with Sean Payton, he would see how scared the defense would get when he would be aggressive on fourth down, when Sean Payton would. And I think that's universal. It doesn't matter if you're Dre Greenlaw or Fred Warner, it doesn't matter if you're the worst linebacker in the world. You don't want to go against a team who's, who wants to take a shot on fourth and three. That's scary. So if you execute those plays, you win the NFC Championship game. Niners, they just play their game of football. Brock Purdy uh, executes, gets, gets the ball in the playmaker's hands, and then, most importantly, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and, and that, that secondary take away what Goff wants to do over the short middle of the field. Because if you take away that, they've been good outside the numbers, but not the same volume. Um, there's one place where you can make easy throws. And if Warner and Greenlaw take that away, it is over. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Clinton. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.